Welcome to Midnight Conversations. My name is Stephen Banos. And I'm Anandana Vikaraja. And welcome to the pod. How are things, man? Yeah, good, good. I'm doing I'm doing better than you. You're looking you're looking pretty cold uh, with your with your hoodie on as <laughs> Yeah. When we were um dividing the rooms up in my house, I uh, ended up having to put my study in the back corner where it's freezing. So if I'm just like shivering, if all you can hear is me like chattering. Um yeah. Blame Wendy, my wife. It's her no, fault. That's right. <laughs> it's, uh, good, good background noise. No, it sounds good. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, How's life um, in Canberra? You guys all safe from uh, from COVID? From the from the dreaded Rona. Yeah, no things mm-hmm. things are going well in in Canberra, uh, where you know no case of of COVID happening here. So mm-hmm. so far, I mean, as of recording this podcast, you never know. It could be, <laughs> <laughs> how luck goes? True, it could be tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, no, but Canberra, Canberra's a great place. I mean, no, I don't know why COVID has, hasn't spread here. It doesn't make much sense to me. Is it like, I don't know if we're all well spaced out, if people are just more, you know, compliant with general government, uh, mandates of, you know, socially distancing, mm-hmm. working from home, maybe high socioeconomic background is generally the background of people. So maybe jobs are able to work from home. It's difficult. To, maybe. Yeah, but I think it's yeah. more that like the people who like Canberra are the people that are in Canberra. Now that I've moved out, I uh, I feel like there's no need to go there. It wasn't that great. Um, oh, so you're saying the reason, any... no co- <laughs> <laughs> the reason there's no COVID is just because uh, people don't want to come to Canberra. People don't want to go to Canberra, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, interesting. <laughs> that's, that's, that's harsh. That's harsh. Well, see, Stephen, we're, we're at this impasse right now, right? Mm-hmm. We're having a discussion and there's multiple reasons for an outcome. And, mm-hmm. and that actually is a deep segue into our paper Ooh, for today. Very yeah, deep yeah. segue. It's, it's very deep. You have, to, you have to read the paper to know, which is why I'm surprised you picked up on that segue. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, the, today, today's paper. Uh, do you want to run people over what the title of today's paper is? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, um, but <laughs> okay, I know cool. that what we're talking about is the famous marshmallow test. That's right. Um, That's right. So do you remember when the first test was done, the original? How long uh, ago? Nine, 1990. 1990. That was yeah, quite a well-known test for those who don't know. Basically, they put marshmallows in front of kids, a bunch of kids. Do you know the age? I've forgotten the age of these. We're talking about... Uh, like, I don't, but the toddler... Toddlers. toddlers like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, so, um, what, what they said to these kids was like, there's a marshmallow in front of you. I'm going to leave the room. But if you wait um, for 10, 15 minutes in the original... Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll, I'll give you a second marshmallow. Yeah. Um, and they were trying to, I guess, determine, um, the self-control of these kids and how that might impact them in later years. Um, mm-hmm. or like how the findings of, well, how long they waited, um, might correlate with other, um, you know, levels of success in later life for these kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what did they find? I don't know. Well, well uh, firstly, firstly, well done. Good, good, good breakdown. Of, of, <laughs> I, just, I just think that you should be commended for, for an a- adequate summary of, of the paper. So well done. Very, very good. Thank you. Um, this is, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, the age range of the children, but mm. couldn't find it. But essentially what, what they found with this, what they, they found that um, those children 
who were able to wait uh, for the second marshmallow uh, had positive outcomes in life. They were, they, you know, I think they did follow-up studies, uh, and this is why the study in part is so appealing, because they, they waited 10 years and they looked at the academic outcomes of these children, and they found they had higher SAT scores, um, and yeah, just in general, uh, seemed to be good. So mm. the the... I mean, it's really interesting. If you watch the video, you can find it on online, like the marshmallow test. And it's really, really interesting to see how, what the coping strategies some of the children had in mm. terms of trying to delay, um, you know, the gratification. Like some of them would, would like smell the marshmallow or they'd hold it in their hand. And these kids are young. I found, found the age range here. It's um, three years, six months to five years, six months. So they're super small. Um, so small, in fact, that when they hold the marshmallow, it's like the size of their face. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it, it's not that big, but it's pretty big. And, and so, and some of them like took little bits around the edge and was yeah, like nibbling those sides. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have, I would have been that kid just like licking the marshmallow. Literally about to say. Do you know? Do you know if that counts? I, I, I think. I think so. I, th- I think so. Like, it, it, it counts just, as them eating it or not eating it. Like not eating it. Not eating it. I, I think yeah. it was okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it, as long as they just didn't consume the entire marshmallow, they waited yeah, as much cool, as possible. Okay. Um, and so yeah, essentially, that when they came back, I think the interesting thing here is the fact of, you know, with science, there's all these things. You, you like to think that science is built on facts and science is like, here's some evidence, here's the fact, this is as, as it is. But the reality of it is that science is a little bit more than facts and, and, and can be woven into stories. And often scientific ideas that take off are the ones that are built or embedded within a good story. Now, the story that, you know, those who can delay gratification were more likely to have positive outcomes in terms of their cognition and just well-being in general. Um, that's quite an attractive story and it makes sense to a lot of people, right? It's hard mm. to it's hard to not want that, you know, crisp packet or whatever the gratification is. I don't know, non-food. Yeah, exactly, gratification. exactly. Uh, and so maybe you can, you know, work and delay that and then you achieve success. Um, so that... It, that that that's the main takeaway, and the important thing about uh, this. Oh, the other thing that they found in terms of long-term follow-up studies, they did something where they looked at the brain, and they found that uh, the prefrontal cortex was larger in those who, or more active in those who had uh, delayed gratification or higher delays. Mm. Um, and so, what that means is perhaps they were more likely to. Um, the prefrontal cortex is the front of your brain. Maybe they're more likely to inhibit the part of their brain that was more likely driven by a reward system. So, um, mm. you know, it, prefrontal cortex also typically develops in uh, children and adults and up until 26 to late 20s. So, um, that, yeah, a lot of, lot of really interesting, interesting things that, that happened to it. Yeah. But, um, yes. And so obviously... Um, the the kind of findings here were very attractive to p- people thinking mm-hmm. that maybe this is like a shortcut to success. And I guess people started like teaching this in schools, like, hang on, if we can teach people to delay gratification, then they'll go to college and they'll become <laughs> hyper successful people. Um, but that's not the entire story, is it? And that's come not exactly to the paper that we're actually talking about today. So. Exactly. Which is the importance of uh, it's the paper today is revisiting the marshmallow test, a, con- a conceptual replication investigation, investigating links between early delay of gratification and later outcomes. And 
essentially what they did is they just replicated the test um, and they just said, well, what's the, what's the outcome that we see in large cohort of um, children? Uh, and the outcomes they found were it, when they controlled or accounted for certain variables, they found that there was either an insignificant effect or a very, very small effect. And the most important effect that they controlled for was uh, socioeconomic status or background. So the children in the initial uh, experiment. I think they were taken from not taken. They weren't abducted, <laughs> but they were. Yeah, they, were uh, they, uh, <laughs> they were. They were. Uh, obtained. Mm. As, uh, guess, <laughs> still bad. From, uh, still bad. But uh, from the Bing Nursery School of Stanford, Stanford University. Mm-hmm. Typically, most university daycare nursery schools are those schools from children of parents who are in academia, and so people who are in academia of higher socioeconomic status or higher education. So, you know, these sort of factors are more likely to influence um, abilities of delayed gratification rather than just delayed gratification itself. So when they controlled for this and they said, oh, well, what if we adjust for these factors statistically? Um, They found either little or no effect, which is really, really interesting. It's kind of disheartening, right? It's like you can't just teach yourself to to wait for the second marshmallow. You have to be born into a wealthy family with educated parents. Yeah. That's the lesson here, everyone. Well, I, I mean, to some extent, there. I mean, there are lots and lots of benefits yes. of education. We know, I guess, in my area of research in dementia, that those who have higher education typically have like larger brain volumes, and this is what we call this um, cognitive reserve can be effective. Like the idea that. You know, if you have more brain, you have more brain to lose, essentially. So you're likely to offset negative aging outcomes like dementia by having more brain. And so education is one way um, Mm. in which that can happen or even working, all those sort of things. Yeah. The the size of your prefrontal cortex, right? Mm. Is that typically determined by your genetics? Uh, Possibly. I'm not sure. Mm. I, I, I don't know what... Uh, I mean, there are genetical factors that influence brain structure, size development, um, but I'm not entirely sure as to what it could be. Like, you know, it could be environment. There are environmental factors, genetic factors, which often are the case. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, not sure. But yeah, it, yeah. it is important. It is important. It's, it, it's a very critical part of being able to, um, I guess, I, I associate it with all, like, the boring side of being an adult, you know, rewarding yourself later, thinking later, you know, for forethought, uh, foresight, all that sort of stuff. So it's uh, planning. It's all, all the boring mm. adult stuff. That, that, are you are you big on it? Pers- personally, do you feel mm. like you uh, cognitively, like intentionally try to delay your gratification or are you just like, eh, yeah. I'll, I'll go to work today and reap the benefits later? Well, but, so <laughs> this is this is the thing. I think mm. I think uh, with this research in, it, in itself, there is other research that does show benefits of delayed gratification. Sure. Yeah, I think the, the things about this is just showing that with this particular experiment, it wasn't effective. Mm. But there, it doesn't mean that you know there aren't some benefits to delayed gratification. Definitely. But me pers- yeah. personally, I think um, I I do delay gratification because I do think there's sort of like a a spike in gratification in a way like you know they do these experiments in animals all the time where they you know they they give these animals heaps of rewards or a high amount of rewards or they even do it with slot machines where you know 
if you win all the time, yeah, you get this dopamine hit and you get this gratification spike, but it's often more rewarding or the optimal reward is where you have this like hard work period where you have to work really hard and then you get the gratification. It's sort of like, would you like to sit in front of, you know, your computer or TV or whatever you watch uh, for, you know, hours on end or go out for like really hard work, come back home then sit on your couch and then and then mm. relax. Like you, you, you get that sort of enjoyment. I think. I, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. How do How do you work? I actually don't like the term delayed gratification. Why is that? And I think it's because it kind of suggests that you don't enjoy or like you shouldn't enjoy the process. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's like you should be laboring, and then you then you feel happy later when you reap the rewards. Right. I, it's the term right. gratification that, that I take issue with. Mm. Yeah. So what's what's mm. the alternative? What would you like? You'd like the journey of gratification, is it? The, yeah, the journey <laughs> of gratification. Yeah, enjoying fair. enjoying the process and yeah. then reaping rewards. It's a longer name, but uh, I, I think that's better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so day to day, would you find that it, you try to engage in the process more so? Well, I, th- I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess delayed gratification comes down to like, there's like a little voice inside your head that rewards you when you delay gratification. I'm using quotation marks. For that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in a sense, like if, if you go to work in the hope that you're going to build something that gives you gratification later... Mm. whilst you're at work there's still a voice inside your head that's saying like you're doing this for that thing later and then you're rewarding yourself in that moment saying like Mm. yeah go steve look at you go look at you work and like the more that you work on that little voice inside your head that rewards you immediately during the process i think the Mm. the happier you can be and still reap the rewards later interesting Um, an insight into the mind of Stephen Bass <laughs> <laughs> just day to day. If you ever see Stephen just working intensely, you know inside his head he's like, "Yeah, go, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen, <It's>, go." <laughs> yeah, it's usually yeah. just me like staring blankly at a wall, but having like a really intense conversation with myself. Mm, interesting. Do you all often have these internal struggles? Is it Stephen? Is often, it, is it yeah. Often? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, right. very often. Oh, good to know. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Mm. I, I can't say that's how my my brain works, but yeah, each to their own. <laughs> each to their own. <laughs> but I mean, you know, listeners, if you if you relate to that uh, analogy, feel free to write in and explain how <laughs> you d- delay your gratification. Uh, I think what mm. what are your main takeaways here, Stephen? I mean, mm. what what is what does this paper mean for you? What what is this story? What do you take away from it? Uh, I guess the main one is to like be kind of skeptical of. Mm-hmm. Um, studies <laughs> mm. I mean, and like the stories that are told from studies that come out especially ones that were conducted 20 30 years ago <laughs> yeah, should, yeah. Um, you know think think about what what they might actually mean um yeah. the other thing is I, I guess it got me reflecting on who i am as a person a fair bit like oh yeah, well, yeah i don't know you, you yeah. probably did the the same thing <laughs> yeah yeah of like what would i have done if i was a toddler like mm. would i have eaten the marshmallows yeah. Um, do you have an answer to that question? Would you have? 
What I mean, I was I was a big kid. Uh, I think I, I, that mar- before, <laughs> as the instructor was explaining the instructions, I think the marshmallow would have been gone down already. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would have been one of the kids excluded because of you know couldn't listen to the instructions. <laughs> probably <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so. Then, yeah. uh, so I, I mean, I would consider you a, a fairly successful person. Oh, cheers! Um, I mean, you, you by what measure have... is that? Well, what metric are we measuring? Just well, to, to quantify this success, I'd like to know. Sure, sure, sure. It's <laughs> it's my awareness of the goals that you've set for yourself, and then mm. whether or not you've achieved those goals. And I feel like okay. you've achieved pretty much all of them, to, to my knowledge, so far. Yeah. So let, let, let's say that. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what are the what are the the drivers of your success? Then do you feel drivers of success? Uh, I'm, you know, definitely coasting on the hard work of, of family. I think, you know, I, I think I was set up very, very, no, I'm like, look, I, I, I definitely work hard, but the reason I work hard is because, you know, in my family, I'm the least hard working person, right? And so it's very easy to work hard and relate, you know, my, my dad works crazy hours and, and is all like, has just consistently worked uh, a long period of time for a long, yeah, for his whole life. And, and so when, when I measure myself against sort of that sort of work ethic, it, um, everything seems okay. Like it just, nothing seems so hard. Like, you know, I guess I have a lot of things on currently in my life, but it, it all, none of it seems as hard. And, and <laughs> my life is just easier. I, and so I don't know, I, I think, you know, in part the study shows that, uh, you know, it's good to take credit where credit's due of like your own hard work, but there are factors out of your control that set you up for positions of success, like things like your, your parents, how, what they've done and how they, what their values were, what they focus on. You know, my, my parents are big on education, like my interest in education came from that. So, um, so there's a lot of factors, like, I I guess uh, another thing, if you think of it, you know, my parents worked hard to make sure that I was able to have an education, which meant that, you know, I didn't have to worry about the finances associated with education, which meant that I could do volunteer internships when I was an undergraduate, which led to paper publications, which led to this and that and all this sort of stuff. So um, these opportunities come from um, being set up in a way. So, you know, yeah, often, so I take that privilege and I just say, I'm just going to be as happy as possible and make sure the people around me are as happy as possible. And then just try to keep spreading that happiness. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, so that, that, I feel like I'm on a dating show. How do I tick? Oh, yes? How do I swipe right? Oh, right yeah. now? Oh, geez. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Excellent. No, I, uh, uh, you yeah. know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just, just speculating just off the back of what you were saying. I wonder if yeah. the significance of um, like your parents' success or their influence will reduce over time based on like the internet do you know how, like, it, I think it's kind of easier now to find new role models on, like, YouTube or whatever. Like, Yeah, definitely, but, definitely. I mean, there, I put, wouldn't, why does it differ from the internet to now? Oh, because you, you get more of an insight, you're saying, from yeah. people's lives and perspectives. Exactly, exactly. I think mm. it's it's easier now to, like, find a dad in, like, Jordan Peterson or something just by watching yeah. his YouTube videos every day. Yeah, there's you have more access to this information. That, that's, yeah. that's true. I, I, I do wonder what role they have. I mean, it, you still have to internalize those messages, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, 10 people could listen to the same talk and come away with different, you know, it could impact someone's life and the other person disagrees and vice versa. So it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think parents you're sort of just stuck with as is, you know, I guess as yeah. a, I, I'm more, more, 
I've become more re- reflective of this process since becoming a parent, I guess, uh, of like, yeah. you know, what I could do, like what goals for, you know, what would I aspire for my child and all that sort of stuff. And so when you when you think about these things, you what it naturally leads you to think about, oh, well, what did my parents work on and how did they set things? Because that's what you know and reflect on. So and look, I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting in this paper that, you know, even the authors were blinded by their privilege in a way of the initial paper of thinking that their children had some, they thought their children were representative to some extent to to take these claims when in reality, it was quite clear that that advanced education really set the children up for this delayed gratification, which is really yes. interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to, yeah. are you going to um, set your child up for the marshmallow test in a couple of years? Uh, you know, why not? Why yeah. not? I think it'd be great. It'd be great. Well, yeah, I, uh, why not? <laughs> I'm going to do all sorts of tests on it. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that why you have children as a scientist? You I think just, so. I'm, yeah. I should do all these developmental child tests. Child services yeah. on speed dial. Please. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, look, I think this is a really interesting study for many reasons. I think one is the bias and the, of the privilege that the uh, original authors had. And two, I think, you know, it shows how, you know, I agree with your point of being skeptical about science, but we need some sort of framework of thinking about what, where this skepticism comes from. Like, like it, it's good to be skeptical. I think it's really, really important. But if we're all skeptical of everything at all time, we don't know what to believe and when to believe it. So I think, you know, this is a bigger conversation about creating your compass of evaluating evidence. But to one extent, hopefully these podcasts help with like mm. critical thinking. Like, you know, a lot of people would have gone into um, first year psych if they've done a first year psych subject and heard about this experiment. And, you know, maybe the even the uh, lecturers don't know the follow up experiments. And so, you know, thinking that uh, how is it that these results translate in real life? And that's why we cover meta analyses often is the case, you know, unless there's a uniquely interesting papers such as this generally we go for meta-analyses because we like the aggregated answer rather than just the bias of individual studies that occur yeah. so it's, it's more of a pat yeah, on the back for the for midnight conversations yeah. that's, that's my take <laughs> we're amazing guys if you <laughs> want to tell us great. that we're yeah. amazing please email us at midnight conversations podcast <laughs> at gmail.com Perfect. Uh, or Midnight um, Conversations don't podcast, follow us Instagram. on any of the social pipes. Oh, oh really? Oh, we're still plugging yeah, oh, Instagram. Are you on Instagram? I go on it oh, um, once ah. a fortnight or so now. So, oh, excellent. Yeah. Good on you. Do you do anything? Do you do any no. work or you just you just hang out? I just <laughs> love to see account. if anyone has uh, been in contact. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. It'd be great to, you know, post these if you're if you're on it. I'm just saying, if you're on it, <laughs> why not post these podcasts? <laughs> Get the message uh, out there. That's even... point. We'll have the admin talk after. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, in saying that, Stephen, wrap up yep. you got a, you got a bit of a outro to play for us oh, dear, uh, yeah, man, and i'd like you to be this. i'd like you to be inspired by the paper i'd like these musical you know outros to have some sort of um context within the paper you know if you could harness delayed gratification into your music if i could feel what delayed gratification is through this song i think i think i'd enjoy that take it away steve i want to try and capture the sound of a marshmallow <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I think I think that that last <laughs> note was definitely delayed gratification. Thank you very much, Stephen. Appreciate that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's it. Uh, I, think, I think we're done. Yeah, or are we? Are we? Now the question is: um, Do we delay the gratification yep. of posting this podcast, or do we just you know post it now? God, that's, the question. that's very yeah. mysterious. Yeah, it is very mysterious. It's very meta, isn't it? It's so meta. <laughs> so meta. We're going to decide. <laughs>
in a certain amount of time. If you wait, you might find out. Hold on. Are we still... <laughs> this isn't recorded. This last 30 seconds is definitely the jug part out of the <laughs> I think no, we should okay. upload this. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Mundane post-podcast conversation. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's do that. Okay.